All right. Hey, welcome back to the Great Time Podcast, everybody. You're here for some more sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, oh, yeah, diving, too. Are they really here for sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Oh, the people are here for sex. <laughs> I'm here for sex, drugs, and rock and roll and some diving, too. Oh, man. And the people are, too. We've got get some good responses about uh, really enjoying the, the Brett stories from in the way, way back. The good good news, Brando, zero hate mail. Only Damn only man. stuff only uh messages from people going they're digging it, they're learning, they're having fun. And good. We're gonna continue that on today as we go and we listen to the call. The big call of the wah wah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what in the hell was that about? Did you hear that? Yes, I heard what you well, just what did. Did, What did you hear? I heard a giant whoa, freighter. Whoa, 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 No, that means you're, that means you're probably narked. What do, you, what do you got in that coffee? Narked out of my gourd. <laughs> what do you have you in that coffee know. this morning? Whatever it takes to get through the morning. Yes, people. Last week I told you that... We were going over one of the most controversial articles that Brett had ever written with the with his golden pen attached to his golden <laughs> Rolex. <laughs> but this week we have one of the most controversial stories that was written about him. Now this was written in Aquacore magazine, like uh, late nineteen ninety five. And it was in response to some, how do, how do you, what's the politically correct way to say it? Some crazy ass dives. Yeah. That's uh, probably as politically correct <laughs> as you're going to get with those dives. But now, I mean, what, what, what would you consider today? Like, it's 2023, we're on the cusp of 2024. A crazy ass dive. Would you call going to, 200 feet on a steel 72, breathing air, a single 72, a crazy-ass dive. Yeah. I, I, I would, too. I would call, like, what, like, my old mentors back in these days, who were a bunch of deep air guys, uh, just saying they realized that that was a crazy-ass dive. So their idea was to just strap two 72s together. Right. <laughs> Unmanifolded, just two rental regulators strapped to the to the first stage. Well, you know, my normal regulator with Octo and, and dive computer and low-pressure inflator hose, and then just grab a rental regulator and strap that on. That way I've got the two. Yeah. I look back today and I go, that's kind of a crazy-ass dive. Well, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but honestly, I mean, when you were doing it, it was like, hey, I got, I got plenty of gas. Yeah, in nineteen ninety nine. In nineteen ninety nine, like, I thought it was kind of a crazy. I'm considered time. conservative. Yeah, <laughs> I've got extra rags, redundant rags, redundant gas, enough for me to pop down and come back up. And remember, a lot of those dives, there's not a lot of uh, sightseeing going on. It's it's a bounce dive. Well, and that I think that's the big thing, Brando. That's got to be, in my opinion, the biggest takeaway is this is why it caused such a fury to the people who were actually trying to really take technical diving 
in a new direction. And I think that's what Aquacore magazine was really trying to do is, you know, draw that line in the sand between, you know, what everyone was saying technical diving was, which was just going deep, you know, and Menduno and the gang were saying, no, 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 no. Technical diving is a whole different thing. Like it's using different equipment. It's thinking things out properly. It's taking the appropriate gas. It's having the redundant equipment. It's not just taking the same old silly scuba gear and going crazy deep. But Brando, there's a big difference between doing a crazy dive to 200 feet, 300 feet, 400 feet, you know, where you bounce down, touch touch it, and then turn around and start coming back home versus trying to go to those depths and stay there and accomplish something. And I think that was the big difference of, you know, what the new guys were trying to do with technical diving, what, you know, Brett and the old guys were like, ah, oh, man, I can, I can go to 300 feet. I can go to 400 feet. Watch. Yeah. We're going to go into the story, but when you look at the potential for just a gigantic clusterfuck, the potential's huge with just a minor issue. Exactly, exactly. And and these were guys and you you got to I mean, you got to give them credit. I mean, huge kudos to having the the cojones to to not care and believing so much in yourself that Yeah. I, I, listen, yeah, you might have problems. <laughs> Look at you. I, 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 I don't know. Have you looked at me lately? I clearly am not going to have a problem. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a paradox. You know, on one hand, personal responsibility. Do what you want. It's not injuring anybody else. On the other hand, you're setting a bad example for the industry and for being that you're representative of a training agency. Well, I think that is where the big... Uh, yeah, you know, it's tough the, to the, reconcile. That's yeah. the hard part, right? That's that's why everybody, I think, got so pissed off at the time. It's because he wasn't just some dude that was, you know, going deep diving. Yeah, I mean, he. It's not like he was just, you know, like, you know, Dan Mannion, who's the guy that, that would later break, you know, Brett's record and, and end up in a wheelchair. end up in a wheelchair, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. right. But that guy, you could just ignore, kind of like, yeah, he's just a crazy guy. Don't do the crazy shit. Look what happened to him. No, that he was. Like the head of the most up and coming, if you want to dive technically, this is who you train from, you know, Technical Diving International. And then he's going out and doing this. I think that's where the big problem was. Yeah, I think that's the majority of the big problem. I think even if he wasn't a representative of TDI or starting an agency that specializes in quote-unquote technical diving, even if he wasn't that and he was doing this and getting the publicity, there'd be a lot of critics back then. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I'm getting at, yeah. The Call of the Wawa, people. Again, this was in the uh, issue number 11 of the Aquacore Journal, if you can get your hands on that, back from 1995. A handful of leading agency officials and instructors conducted deep air dives, some exceeding 400 feet, 123 meters on non-redundant this is the part that blows me away. Single 80 cubic foot cylinders, raising serious questions about the dichotomy of individual freedom versus instructor responsibility. 
you know, Brett said, I, "Listen, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm taking a nice, sleek, slim, low-profile rig, you know." <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Whereas a lot of people are like, what are you taking one tank with one one eighty, one yeah. regulator? That's it. And, and his, you know, again, I, I give the guy credit for just having the attitude of like, yeah, don't tell me what to do. The stunts, as some have called them, occurred at the Drager Uatec's first formal rebreather training seminar in the Bahamas in uh, July of 1995 with over a dozen TDI instructors present. TDI President Brett Gilliam and NSS CDS Chairman Joe Odom led the dives and each used a single 80-cubic-foot cylinder and had no redundancy. And while all divers survived the experience, New York-based TDI instructor Bob Ramo, who carried an 80-cubic-foot stage as a backup, nearly died on his second dive beyond 300 feet. The participants tried to keep the dive secret, both at the seminar and afterwards. All right, we're going to do instructor training. (laughs) All right, you guys go put all that shit away. And uh, we're going to go have some fun. We'll be right back. I, I would be interested to to listen to that conversation of how they were setting it up. You know, I'm sure they were sitting at the oh. bar like, oh, yeah, well, let's just go tomorrow. Hey, you know, let's just pop down tomorrow. There's a there's a really there's a really nice wall over here in the Bahamas. You guys ever dive suicide wall? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious how they got talked into it. Well, I think uh, Joe and Brett did do it all the time. Yeah. And then he had well, like that I mean. inner yeah. circle of, you know what it's like, man. It's like everybody wants to hang out with the cool kids and doing what the cool kids are doing. And peer know? pressure. And peer, well, I mean, this you know what is I mean? yeah. exactly what the critics are saying would happen. And people who are not strong enough to resist peer pressure, who do not understand, like, peer pressure just means groupthink, mobthink. And once once everybody just starts jumping on that mob, it can be a lot of pressure if you're you're not an independent thinker. Well, per se. Th- that and well, I mean, what if you're like trying to be like a, like a, one of the upcoming big guys, you know? Right. And, and then like everybody else That's is like, I mean. oh, what's the matter? Are you chicken? <laughs> what's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Are you chicken? You know what I mean? Though it, it, it's that like you see, you know. Brett and Joe going, and you want to be like in that inner circle. You're like, all right, I, I guess I, I guess I can go for it. You know, everybody else is doing it. I, I, all right, I'll go. I don't know. Half of me'd be like, is this a fucking test to see if I got any goddamn well, it's common easy. sense? <laughs> like now, I agree. I agree. <laughs> be going on. These schmucks might be falling for it, but well, that's what I mean. I'm like not. earlier, like what I'm saying, like what what is a crazy dive to you today? 200 feet on a single tank like looking back like you and i were required to take a deep air class is like it was just the the natural standard progression to get and, to trimix yeah and then like deep air <laughs> but i remember being in you know in the deep end of the quarry you know and, and going well, i don't know this doesn't feel right aren't we gonna do anything more in education other than go down and come up like well that part of it that seemed to be pretty common back in the day the whole thing was go down and live and come back and here's your card do your proper stops and you're you're good i mean the the emphasis really 
especially back in those days. You remember those classes, man? Your gas plan would be fucking, you have your, your just-in-case gas plans, too. You got 10 pages of paperwork of silly-ass gas planning and, and deco schedule. Oh, math. <laughs> You, you damn near had to have a you know a, a a degree in calculus to to do to do the gas planning. It was pages long, and yeah. and then when you look back on it, it wasn't even wasn't even that accurate or or, or it wasn't. It didn't even and you mean, didn't need to be it, that. Accurate. Yeah. It, it was it was so accurate, like to the to the hundredth of a decimal point exactly. And then at the same time, though, it was kind of just a bunch of just pulled out not of practical. thin air, not practical <laughs> exactly. bullshit. It was impractical, and it was a lot of, I don't know, you're looking back, and of course hindsight's twenty twenty. but you look back and go, was that just filler bullshit to to make the student believe he got something for his money in a, in a class where they just, like you say, you pop down and you, you come back up? It's, there wasn't a whole lot to the dives. Exactly. And, I, and, and this is where the big fight between the DIR crew, who was based out of the WKPP doing extremely deep dives in the 200 to 300 foot range. And they had to stay there for a yeah, long period of time. Hours and hours. You know, yeah. So it, it wasn't just bop down to 300 feet and then start working your way up for the next hour. It was we're going right. down to 300 feet and we got to keep going for another right. 20, 30 minutes and, and work and function and think. And that's where they were saying, well, you can't do that on air. And then how oh, are you, you how are you going to sit there and call what you're doing technical diving when you can't reproduce it to, to everybody that takes a class? You just happen to to make it through it. If anything went wrong, you know, a first stage failure, a free flow, forget about uh, it. You don't really have gas for two people, even two people that are good divers. I mean, and that's I know they they said they came back with a bunch of gas, but and they had time down there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to the story you're going. Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. Doesn't either you're filling us full of bullshit. You know, you coming back with 1500 on an 80 after popping down to 400 feet. And as they put it, you know, swam around for a while. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you can't be even breathing. <laughs> Who really? Who needs to breathe? You know who I am. I know. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I mean, again, this is the paradox because one one side of my brain is is a little critical just because of what everybody says. They're representative of the agency, a training agency that's supposed to promote a safe ethical diving practice by the same token what they're doing would not be considered safe and the fact that they're the agents of that agency it's not ethical and that's i think where as much as they tried to keep this whole thing secret from everybody at the at the you know the at the training i think in the back together, of their mind they, like, they wanted to yeah. chest thump a little yeah, well you know, i yeah, hope they yeah. find out now they'll know who the real divers are you because you know that exactly happened and next morning at breakfast they're gonna be like did you hear what the fuck Brett and Joe just said? Are you shitting? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure it was like wildfire too. Right. You know how the diving community is. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You know, somebody stubs their toe on the dive boat in the Bahamas. They know about it in the South Pacific by lunchtime. You know? Yeah. James stubbed his boat. His stubbed his boat. James <laughs> stubbed his toe on a boat. Reports of the clandestine dives spread like wildfire among tech divers. 
and have provoked a plethora of questions. Why make a deep air dive in the first place when no useful work can be performed at depth and when mix is available? Why risk diving without a redundant system? How can tech diving instructors teach their students to stay within limits yet exceed those limits themselves? What responsibility do these industry leaders have to send the right message to their followers? Good questions. I mean, they're good questions today in 2023, and, and they were yeah. right there on the point of, of of the time in 1995. Because again, I mean, this isn't this isn't 1970 when you know <laughs> you know <laughs> you had your bell bottoms on and your silky disco shirt, and you were diving to 400 feet. This isn't 1960. <laughs> You had your afro and your peace peace symbol necklace on. This isn't and your bell bottom pants. This isn't 1950, <laughs> where you had your greased back hair and your leather jacket. Wait, that, that's like me, like <laughs> ten years ago. What are you about? Do you see? It comes full. This circle. is not 2010, <laughs> where you had uh, your. All right, I, I'm going deep air diving. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I mean, these questions were like, I mean, at the time, like, what the hell are we doing? I mean, we're going to teach people about technical diving. Let's teach them about technical diving. Yeah, but it, I think ultimately becomes an issue of personal freedom versus a responsibility to the community. You have to weigh those two factors. Where and where do you draw the line? And it's slippery slope either way. Once you start limiting personal freedom and choice, absolutely. I'm, I I get you. I, I mean, from a from a guy that's spent his whole life, you know, basically saying, Just "Don't tell me the hell he don't wants. tell me what to do." <laughs> right, <laughs> living his whole life like as soon as you tell yeah. me I can't do something, um, you could probably be sure I'm about to do it. That attitude's very childish, isn't it? It is. Uh, that's what I'm saying. And, As a and man who likes to think he has grown up a little bit. Right. It, well, as somebody who, not to separate like people who have kids and don't have kids, but when you have kids, you're constantly saying do as I say, not as I do, because a lot of things you do because you're, I'm a goddamn grown up. I have to do this stuff. But the other, I mean, the other side of it is you're trying not to be hypocritical. But by the same token, that you got to draw a line at some point and go, listen, I, I'm here in life, right? You're just learning life, and it's the same thing with diving. I'm here I'm diving. You, yeah. right? I, I think that's probably right where Brett and Joe's perspective was. Right, and I see both sides. But again, we we get into that ethics, which once you start getting into ethics and <laughs> morals and and this deep philosophical question of where is personal responsibility and where is personal freedom? Where is there like an intersecting gray area in the middle? And ultimately, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I want to go with that because I have my own opinions. And, uh, and like I say, this is a, a paradox. Well, let's look you at some other, let's look at some other opinions from some other leading figures in the field who privately condemned these stunts. Privately and publicly. But we're reluctant to oh. comment publicly is what they say in this article, right? However, the reaction... Except, isn't this article public? <laughs> <laughs> reaction in general to the practice of deep air diving beyond 400 feet without a redundant system 
was strong and one-sided. You wouldn't catch me doing that, said training instructor Lamar Hires, Joe Odom's associate at the NSS CDS. Hal Watts of the Professional Scuba Association, who trains divers on deep air. Remember, he was like, like the Mr. Waving the Flag of Deep Air, said our training standards don't permit it. If you're making deep dives, we require enough gas for the dive, plus extra gas on the descent lines in case of emergencies. People do it. It's okay, but we have to consider what if. Yeah. Les Joyner of Ocean Corporation said, we had to deal with the problem of cowboys and commercial diving 20 years ago. And another leading tech diving expert who asked not to be identified declared, Natural selection is a slow process. The consensus on limits. I don't think he said it like that, but <laughs> probably had a stroke word in there somewhere because <laughs> we know who that was. <laughs> the consensus on limits and acceptable practices for diving on air is near universal. The maximum operating depth for air is between 180 and 220 feet. 55 and 68 meters based on a working PPO2 between 1.4 ADAs and 1.6. As president of TDI, Brett Gilliam ironically said, I have yet to see anybody that it's got any degree of credibility stand up and say it's okay to go to 300 feet on air. That'd be absolutely bloody stupid. Bloody stupid, mate. (laughs) Yet, what we're going to find out in a minute. Exactly. Field experience suggests that maintaining PPO2s below 1.4 to 1.5 during the working phase of the dive is optimal, allowing for oxygen levels to a maximum of 1.6 during resting decompression. Experts further agree that it is prudent to have an appropriately redundant breathing system. Minimally, first and second stage redundancy when diving in open water beyond 60 feet, in extremely deep dives and in an overhead environment. It is a requirement. Like the rule of thirds, redundancy is a defining tenant of tech diving. True. Remember, I remember that. You're, if you have two, four is better. <laughs> right. Three is two. Two is one. One is none. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there's a point where you you have to put little axioms onto that. Redundancy is a defining tenet of tech diving, but it's redundancy, well-thought-out redundancy and streamlined redundancy. Correct, because eventually you become the seven-knife guy. Yes, you become seven and seven and nine. Yes, the seven-knife guy who would love that guy. He was a great guy, but I don't know what he thought he was (laughs) getting himself into down there <laughs> well that's kind of my point from earlier right it's there's a, yeah the, the i think the biggest problem with all of this is everybody you know if you're hanging out on the boat most likely loves brett yeah. you know he's a super cool guy a very likable guy and, and then like and as seven knife guy is a really cool dude yeah at the pub Right, but uh, underwater. He, he's probably going to pick up the tab at breakfast. He's a great guy. <laughs> but underwater, you're like, oh, shit, nice. here we go, here we go. True, I mean, it, that's a tough comparison because I think Brett is an outstanding diver in his own right. So 
Yeah, he's the, not. In, you know, Seven Knife guy has done some dives, but I wouldn't call him an outstanding diver. And there you go. So there's a. Uh, that's the other part that really can't be measured. You know, in diving is there's that whole experience thing that Brett and Joe are totally right. Like they probably have the calm mental clarity that if anybody's going to get out of a shitty situation, they've, they've probably got the mental calm to be able to pull it off. But again, that's what I was saying, you know, last week is that's not teachable and it's not scalable. Right. There is the problem in my opinion. Well, yeah, that and the fact, again, you're representing a, a community or an agency, really, and you're, you're doing the do as I say, not as I do approach, and um, you're the exception to the rule. Duh. Have you, have you seen me? Of course I'm the exception to the rule. Well, and that's what I mean. But so you've got all these new divers coming into technical diving, and they all possess this one charming characteristic of this humongous ego. Yes. And if Brett can do it, I can do it, is, you know, in 90% of their minds. And we've all, I mean, when I say we've all, I mean you and I, we've taught divers who who had to have a uh, come to Jesus because they, when they realized they were doing silly-ass dives without any real skills or ability to catch themselves should anything go wrong, they just happened to live. You know, it was a normalization of deviance, which we talk about all the time. And this is really a giant normalization of deviance because the normalizer is a, is a technical training agency's lead man and, or people. Yes, yeah. And... It, the deviance is a huge deviance. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's it's not a little white lie. This is a right. <laughs> this is a <laughs> so, big strobe light, platinum, flashing neon neon sign lie. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it just it just sends a, a signal, or it's a giant, like you say, a big neon flashing sign to the new divers. Like this is something to aim for, and that's wherein lies the problem. I yeah, because it kind of sets up the the. the the baseline of, I mean, if you're good, you can do this. You can but, do but, this, But right. you should probably stay over there because you're not really that good. What do you think the right. guy's going to do the, 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 the next time he's out on that boat and nobody's around? He's going to prove how I'm good gonna he is. <laughs> Goddamn right I am. The dive originated with Gilliam and Odom, says Gilliam. Odom and I do a lot of deep air diving, and we had the opportunity on a really unique wall. <laughs> the only thing available was a couple of 80s. But the breathing rate pff, that Odom and I have is so remarkably low compared to everyone else. <laughs> we did a dive to 441 feet, and we used about 1,100 PSI of gas. Now, I mean, that's like not even... 30 cubic feet. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> a 400-foot dive, not even using 30 cubic feet. Yeah, that's, 13 that was, that's like, that was like four, it's 14, over 14 addas. Yeah, so freaking 14 addas. Even if you're breathing 0.5 cubic foot. How about 0.25 cubic but, foot? Yeah, but like 0.25, which is unheard of. Like, Right. I mean, there's... Yogi meditating <laughs> Zen guru masters sitting uh-huh. sitting in the lotus position on their foam mat right now who who are struggling to breathe it you know yeah. 
at, at a 0.25 cubic feet of gas a minute. And again, they, you know, the details of the whole entire dive we don't physically have. You know, that I'm sure they were coming up to like, like a decompression bar where they were going to switch to something else for their decompression. But even still, I mean, to drop down to 441 feet, and it's just knowing what we know. Yeah, it's it's not the most well thought out idea. It doesn't even it's, fall into the top ten. Yeah, let alone the, the what most. Ifs, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the what ifs that you know they talk about the what ifs, which is you know I, I get we had to have something, but the what ifs don't hardly ever encompass all of the what ifs. They they have some crazy what ifs, which are very rare, and then sometimes they completely miss the what ifs that are not rare. Right. Well, and here's the deal: is you're forgetting the most important part. We're we're talking we're talking Joe and Brett here, dude. Yeah, you're not talking just any old divers. This is Joe and Brett, and the pair agreed to keep all divers, including some who were using trimix above them. <laughs> the trimix guys are going to keep those guys up in the shallow water. We agreed for, to that, so that makes it fine. Don't you? I don't think you understand. We've agreed to keep the trimix divers. Above Up us. in the shallow water where it's safe. Because we don't want them getting narked. <laughs> <laughs> like like a couple of guys at 441 feet on air. We didn't want them to get away from us. We were 100 feet or more deeper than the guys on Trimix. And we used half, maybe a third of the gas they did, Brett says. So yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> The other participants, who included Mitch Skaggs and Jesse Armentrout, as well as Bob Ramo, said they were not pressured in any way and only attempted the deep air dives because they were in the company of top industry professionals such as Gilliam and Odom. Joe did not go around the boat saying, hey, we're doing a bunch of deep diving. Who's interested, said Ramo. It was a very private conversation. Gilliam rationalizes the dives by boasting of his conservative gas consumption. I breathe half of the gas volume <laughs> that other people do that are half my size and half my age, said Gilliam. I can't I'll have half a beer and a half a joint on the way down, and you won't even halfly know where I'm half at. I can't explain that. Part of it is being relaxed in the water. Getting into Part some of it is kind of half-ass planning and half <laughs> getting into some kind of rhythm that works for you. But I see a lot of these other people that are hopelessly overburdened with equipment that they don't seem to realize what it does to their performance in the water. Odom and I spent quite a bit of time down there between three seventy-five and four hundred, and some change. We had time to stop and smell the roses. It's no big deal to us. We were kind of surprised when we came back up that everybody was making such a big thing about it. <laughs> no, that's my thing. Like 400 plus feet, 400 and some change, and you got time to, to stop and smell the roses. Like how much time is that really? Well, and how Five much minutes? are you really comprehending? You still, I don't care who you are, you're knock, narked out of your gourd. You, I mean, you're a human being that has, you have the same parts. Yeah, I mean, narcosis is often, you know, compared to drinking booze, you know, the, the whole right. martini effect. And sure, there's the guys that will say, 
I'm fine. <laughs> I, but if you I show them, them a video of themselves <laughs> from the night before, and when like, they thought they were all suave and cool. Right. Who the hell and is this guy? Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. A sloppy ass dumbass. Right. And when you uh, when you take the breathalyzer, yeah. And the, the science shows well, you might think you're okay. However, yeah. I've got proof, and I, and I think this is the thing: is like, yeah, you might be to the point where you're, you're cool headed enough to to work through the narcosis, but eventually it's going to take over, and that's the thing. Like, what was he there? One minute. Five minutes, ten minutes. Could you could How you pull it, it off? Could you smell pull, the roses? Could you pull it off for twenty <laughs> minutes? Eventually, there's a lot gonna... of roses. I could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gilliam is not concerned about oxygen on deep dives like this, and cited that divers push three atmospheres of oxygen in chamber as a matter of routine. He also said at rest, the chances of an oxygen toxicity problem in a relatively short duration are minimal and more friendly than decompression. And again, I'm going to say that this is the, the, the main issue with all of it. It's the time lapse. Right. You don't have you're, you don't you're, you're not doing something that you can yeah. show somebody to do and they can go, well, we only stayed five minutes last time. Let's let's stay ten this time because you're skating on extremely thin ice that's only getting thinner and thinner and thinner yeah and again you don't know what can happen you don't know what delays you can run into you don't know if you're i don't know how you're doing mentally right yeah you could be saying you're great and doing the dive just to not get it canceled i said that to you the other night I <laughs> i'm fine i'm fine <laughs> believe me i'm fine yeah, I'm not in your head. I, so you have another diver with you. You have another person. And if anything goes wrong, you're, what are you going to do? Just bail on them? No, the two of you are going to be trying to fix something down at 400 feet with zero redundancy. Right, and that's, and and that's when you're going to go, oh, this was a bad yeah. idea? That's when it's going to hit you. Oh, God, if we only had another tank and regulator, we'd be That's we what okay. they meant by redundant <laughs> regulator. Oh, uh, and if I could, was only thinking really clearly, I could come up with a solution to the predicament. You, you know, Brando, and, and again, he's saying here, and we got to remember people that we're, we're going back, you know, to 1995, yeah. right? Uh, everybody's focus is on the decompression, and, and Brett's going, ah, eh, you know, oxygen, you know, three addas, big deal. But I would say the oxygen at three atoms is way is, scarier is a big de- because the way you the way yeah. we've learned to plan it over the years is you understand the decompression, you plan for the decompression, you bring what you need for the decompression. And in fact, if anything, you would go, "What I do on the bottom is solely based around what I'm going to bring with me to decompress with." You'd work it backwards, yeah. exactly. The acceptable standards are not malleable, said an industry leader. The 1.5 add a limit is not there for everyone except Brett and Joe. <laughs> he said the limit is there for all divers. Gilliam believes that experience and understanding of the risks is what counts. I've been doing this for 20 years, he said. I have never, ever had even the slightest symptoms of O2 problems, and I don't expect that I will. But I've also made a career of understanding the underlying physiology to a point where, believe me, 
Every hair and follicle is tuned to the expectation that I'm going to have a problem. And I get that. I believe that with with Brett. Like, if there's anybody that's probably understanding himself, and he probably is every hair and every follicle is in tune waiting for the problem, I believe it. However, at the same time, I'm going to go, when the problem happens, you don't have shit of resources to deal with it. Yeah, you don't have a, a lot to fall back on. And I guess my thing is, everybody who does this believes that they are super in tune to what's going on in their body. Everybody who does it. I, I can recall, you know, teaching the fundies to people that were doing 300-foot dives on open circuit and the narcosis and on air to, to boot. And uh, they believed that they had the, the skills to be doing so, yet we showed them 20 feet. They can't hold their depth without a well, mask that, or they can't share gas without And this opens up depth. a whole new can of worms, you know, that now thankfully we have, you know, you know hindsight, you know, of – multiple decades to look back on here they were like i i've got to still get way over there to where all my decompression gas is hanging off the back of the boat you know on the way back up you know it's it's not that the shit gets so bad we just okay let's just go right now no you still got to get back to where all your stuff is at there's so much uh latitude for uh the shit hitting the fan (laughs) and we know this you know any any open water dive has the potential for the shit hitting the fan. So that's why you you plan accordingly. You bring the proper equipment. The idea of getting blown off the wreck and not finding the upline because of bad viz and limited bottom gas and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So you bring marker bag. You have training in how to use the marker bag. and, And the boat crew is aware, like, if you see this bag pop up, that means we're off the wreck. Diving so deep without a redundant system seems to be a non-issue with the pair. Both of us were diving thirds, said Odom. From a rules standpoint, hell, we're diving thirds. Anybody got a problem with diving thirds? I mean, shit, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) When When you look at... That, and this is the problem that you know we still see today. You know, teaching people, it's like, well, thirds is is fine if the the third covers the amount of time that you need. Sure, go go right. thirds, but just because you're on thirds doesn't work. <laughs> it's not always the right choice. Yeah, you sometimes have to go a little more conservative. That, and when your when your volume is an aluminum eighty, a third is on a hundred foot dive. It's not very much, let alone a. 400 plus foot dive odom says what does an 80 have to do with it we had air we went down <laughs> we had air we came up <laughs> bob ramo opted for redundancy he said i was very uncomfortable diving with single 80s so i jury rigged some telephone wire to an 80 stage bottle he said I wanted to at least have a backup bottle. This single 80 stuff, boy, you have one regulator failure. It's not like getting a flat on the highway. You don't have a spare. <laughs> and I guess, the, you know, the, the, that big takeaway, you know, ultimately, and I, and I think that's why, you know, this story was published in, in Aquacore at the time. It was, yeah, I mean, there's there's that, you know, issue of freedom Versus responsibility, you know, that, that we have to have to figure out, you know, where do we draw the line as well as like, what really are we going to call technical diving? Because going to 
300, 400 feet on the same same set of gear that I did my Discover Scuba class in, you know, in the swimming pool, it, it, we're going to call that technical diving? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not really technical diving. I, I guess you had to actually define technical diving uh, more. I don't know. I, I guess if, if that's the um, real gripe, you know, does this come under the heading of technical diving? Because the technical divers are like, we don't want that in our paradigm. We don't want this under our heading. Well, kind of some thing. technical divers were. Because these guys are the heads of two branches of technical. But do you think they called it technical diving? I don't know if they called it technical diving. The practice of deep air diving has fallen in and out of public favor over the years. Today, with the availability of mixed gas, extreme deep air diving is again in disrepute and is generally considered unnecessary and dangerous. In the old days, you had to be in the closet, Joe Odom said, because you didn't want anybody to know about it. (laughs) Coming out of the closet. (laughs) I'm a deep air diver. (laughs) My name is Joe, and I'm a deep air diver. (laughs) Then deep air was accepted. Now you have to go back into the closet a little because of gases. People are chastising the deep air people, saying you don't need to do that. Hal Watts, who's training divers to 300 feet, is also controversial, is quick to point out that a dive beyond 300, particularly one below 400 feet, is beyond the safety limits on air. However... Divers continue to dive deep on air, and a small number attempt the questionable practice of setting deep air records. 27-year-old diver training to exceed Dan Mannion's air dive to 513 feet, 158 meters, the deepest recorded, recently died off the coast of Fort Lauderdale. Reportedly, members of the tech diving community, including Gilliam, Mitch Skaggs and IANTD's Tom Mount discouraged the young diver from attempting the depth. You can talk about the sanity of solo diving, said Joe Odom, but it all comes down to risk acceptance. How can we train the new guys for emergencies? We can't. The fact remains that some of us have survived incidents that we shouldn't have survived, and we've got very strong survival instincts as a result. And no doubt about it, Brando. But again, I go back to that's the problem with it. Yeah. That is, well, it's normalization of deviance. I mean, we're, we, we know it's not a safe practice. That's the thing. I mean, there's the list of bodies continues even to this day. People going deep on air, despite a, a plethora, to, to use that word, that I'm like, did they, did, he's like, I want to write an article, but I, I want to use the word plethora. What should no, I write no, no. about? He uh he got uh, he probably was going through his like word of the day calendar and and plethora exactly. come up. He's like, I've got to use a I've got to write an article where I can use the word plethora. Plethora. plethora Yesterday I had Wawa. I, uh... How am I going to put these two together? <laughs> I got it. Perfect. But uh yeah, there's a, a plethora a plethora of incidents that go back to even before this of people. Doing deep air and not coming back 
for a number of reasons, you know, like from everything we've basically said, not having redundant gas supply, not having redundant uh, regulators, not being able to handle the narcosis. Speaking of plethora, Brando. Yeah. It's not a bird, people. A plethora of smooth balls. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist groomer experience like none other with their brand-new Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Imagine your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP. High tech for low places. Manscaped. (laughs) If only Joe and Brett could have used the old lawnmower 5.0 Ultra back in the day, Brando. Could you imagine what, uh, what their grooming game would look like? Oh, insane. And talking of plethora, Manscaped has got a... Remember back in the day they had just one little trimmer? Uh, they've got a plethora of choices for uh, your grooming needs nowadays, everybody. A cornucopia of choices. Deep air, very, very scary. But also, everybody knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt. That's why good old Jamesy and Brando trust Manscaped for our sensitive areas. Technical diving, Brando, back in the day was the cutting edge of the diving education. And this Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is the cutting edge of cutting pubes. Upgrade your ball trimmer and your life will follow everybody. Get 20% off free shipping with the code TGDP at Manscaped. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at Manscaped. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. Get yours today from our folks at <laughs> Manscaped. So, Brando, I, I guess the, the big issue that we're looking at here is, you know, these guys have the experience. They did the, I nearly died, so I've, I had the chance to learn from that. That's why I can continue to do these dives. But, I mean, when you open up your deep air manual and it goes... What you need to do is dance with the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Try to kill yourself and everybody around you, but don't die. And then, uh, then, then turn to page two. Yeah. I know I keep trying to condense this down to like one question that needs to be answered, but I, I don't know if it can be. Gilliam says of inexperienced divers who go beyond their limit. Unfortunately, it's nobody's fault but their own. If you look back six years ago, there was no AquaCore. There was no water sport publishing library. The only way you could get information was if you were in somebody's click. Now there's this whole explosion of information out there. Odom has a theory about younger divers. We have a whole generation of techno babies. <laughs> They're little bitches. <laughs> and I use that in a semi-derogatory form. They're diving, he said. 
These are the people who sit in front of their computer and are able to hit a carriage return and get instant gratification. We've got people who... That's how you know he's old. He calls it a carriage return. (laughs) We've got people who believe they can sit in front of a computer terminal and learn how to become a deep air diver. They don't even know what they feel yet. That's what years of diving are about. Yeah, but the thing is, you have to get the years of diving in without killing yourself. <laughs> so how do you get experience deep air diving? Right. And yet, don't go And that's deep my point diving. from earlier, right? This isn't 1970. Yeah. This isn't 1960. It isn't 1950. Like, we've been learning, like, and, and at this point, they've been learning about diving in deep air for 50 years. And they all come to the same conclusion. It's, you're narked. Right. <laughs> you know, also among the hazards with deep air diving is is the density of the gas as you go deeper and the difficulty or the Im- Im- impedance, if that's the right word, impedance, the gas exchange issues and the carbon dioxide buildup issues because your air gets denser. So it's not just narcosis. There's other other hazards that can snowball into a world of shit uh should things go south this in my opinion if if we're here like trying to set the the line for terminology like what is technical diving right deep air diving is not technical diving technical diving by definition uh, is not deep air diving right deep air diving that that they're doing here uh, you know we, we look at the difference between sport diving and, you know, uh, technical diving, commercial diving. This, if anything, I would say is, is the most sportish of diving, like like doing, doing it for a goal, doing it for a, a number, trying to reach something, putting yourself at risk. You know, uh, this is like, you know, uh, sport diving. In, in, a, in a way, if, you're, if we're going to rewrite these terms, like meaning very much different from recreational diving is not diving for sport. Diving for sport like this is not recreational diving because it's extremely unsafe. Bragging, bragging rights. rights. Exactly. That's the, the sole purpose of it. And it, it reminds me last night, you know, I was talking to some, uh, some students and, you know, they're friends of my family. And anyway, they're certified divers, but they want to get back into it. Anyway, long story short is the daughter of my friends who's her low 20s, she said, how deep is your deepest dive? And I'm like, I just want to squelch that I whole know, conversation. It's... You know, I don't like to even say that, especially to new divers that want to get into it. As it, I think it just promotes this idea like it's all about going one foot further than your partner or Exactly, or and that's else. the sportiness that I'm talking about. It's, it's like... It's like a stunt, you know, it's like Evil Knievel jumping two cars, and I'm going to jump ten cars, now I'm going to jump the Grand Canyon on my motorcycle, right? It's like a, a, a big dramatic stunt more than it is logical, thought out, intelligent diving. Exactly. Again, we start, there's a, a bunch of different lines, you know, between two different things that we're, we're examining here, the, the Bravado bravado however you want to say it bravadodo uh, ver- bravadilio <laughs> versus pushing the limits to to extend our abilities okay so you got bravado and a serious push of the limits to try to push our technology our abilities further one is bravado one is i'm at the bar with a patch it says deep air diver 
I went to 441 on air on a single lady. The other is, well, we were able to document and, and plan these dives to 400 feet. We did it on air to scientifically study, you know, what goes on at the human physiology department uh, when we're down there at that kind of depth. What, do we, what are hazards? What, are, what really happens? So one is to help understand, and the other is to help get a little nooky. Right. Okay? And do the reasons count for something? Is the intent to do something, does that count well, for something? Well, you know, based off of the story you were just saying, that, yeah, that's the thing. Because when, when somebody asks you the question after they find out you're a diver, they don't ask the second one. They only ask the first. Right? And then when you're sitting at the bar, you know, and somebody goes, I'm, I'm, I'm a diver. I went to 131 feet last week. Ha! <laughs> One thirty-one. One thirty-one. Hey, honey. Hey, you, you want to come sit by a, a real puddle. diver? I was just down at one thirty-two. Right, and that's how that's how it begins. Bob Rabo, who is an experienced mixed diver, but who had little deep air exposure, said that he learned more on this one almost fatal dive than he had on a hundred other dives. I've taken my experience and learned from this, he said. You don't dive deep on air. That's mix. I can teach people that from experience now. I can tell them, look, I got lucky, and luck is never part of my dive plan. And even with his near-death experience. (laughs) Are you sure that's not? It's like number three, you know, equipment, my training, and luck. It's all I need. It's all I need. It's all I need. I don't know what comes after luck, but Equipment, as long as I've got training, luck in there. Luck and this pony bottle. That's all I need. <laughs> Maybe you should put luck to number I'll one. Move, Let's move. I, need, I need luck. That's all I need is my training, equipment, equipment, my training, experience. my luck, this pony bottle. Uh, one more knife. Give me that knife. I'm going to take this up. Put one more knife on this leg, and too. And this extra knife. This number seven on the knife's. Knife list. Even with his near-death experience, Ramo won't rule out diving deep on air again. I'm not going to tell you that I'll never do it again because the experience has not scared the thrill out of me in diving, he said. However, I want to be respected figurehead in the technical community, then I can't do deep air diving. So from that point of view, my answer is no. It was a scary learning experience that I wish never to happen to me or anybody else again, he added. I can say this. If I ever decide to do a deep air dive like that again, I'll be ready for it. I've been there. I've heard the wah-wah. You know, it's, that, it's the, the being so deep and being so narc to being so fucked up that your brain is just whoa-whoa-whoa-whoa-whoa-whoa-whoa-whoa-whoa. Uh, who knows what's, what's going on where it's affecting your middle ear. You know, it, it could be a form of decompression sickness that you're not aware of. You know, those middle ear hits are wacky. Well, what, where we're coming to is this whole question of uh, individuals versus their responsibility and they say here that individual freedom versus in uh responsibility right, yeah, to the community yeah, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, what personal you mean? freedom versus you know community responsibility 
He says, few people dispute each individual's right to dive as he or she pleases. The libertarian streak amongst divers is profound. There is, on the other hand, a deep division in the tech diving community about whether leaders have an added responsibility and if they're sending the wrong signal to less experienced divers. Well, if you're giving a pause so I can interject here, I guess uh, my thinking and my philosophy in life, however you'd want to put it, is I'd err to the safe side on this. And when I mean safe, I don't necessarily mean physical safety. What I mean is safety in uh, life. It's a slippery slope when you start restricting individual freedoms. Right. In the name of safety. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm hoping the world's coming to a fucking awakening. Like, you got held for ransom, bitches, all in the name of safety. And if you look through history, that's always been the case of how we get owned, how our liberties and freedoms are taken from us. And liberty and freedom comes with responsibility. Liberty and freedom is personal responsibility so my thing again i would be erring on the side of we're not gonna start dictating what people can and can't do that really affects themselves and people do have to step up and take a personal responsibility even the people who look at these divers like like brett and joe and go oh i want to be just like them well you got to take personal responsibility and find out really what you're saying when you do that if you want to walk off the cliff into the molten lava volcano, it's your go for prerogative. It. Now, Find out what you're doing. The rest first. of us realize how stupid that is, yeah. and we're walking this way, back down the hill. We're going down well, the hill. It's hey, if we're going to embrace you know theories of theories here in science, the theory of evolution and, and survival of the fittest. I mean, this is weeding out our uh, less. <laughs> Less smartful people, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, that's <sighs> the one person said it. You know, Darwin works right, slowly right. sometimes, and that's what this kind of is. I mean, it's it's not a smart practice. By the same token, you have every right to go ahead and do it. Lamar Hires summed up the conundrum by saying, "It's a gray area and one that we always come back and fight with." Hal Watts, however, is definite in his opinion. Everyone should follow safety guidelines, whether they're leaders in the industry or John Q. Divery said. It's monkey see, monkey do. Leaders should do things more safely to set an example. And that's the thing is, especially when you start looking at it, is these aren't just groups of divers going diving. They're businesses that are taking people's money, handing them a certification that's telling them, now you know how to do it right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's where I say the problem is that that's this isn't. We hit this level where you're so fucked up on air that it's not really a teachable, scalable process that you you know is going to work for the next guy, then the next guy, then the next guy. Oh, we know that. I mean, we know deep air is not is not teachable because it affects every person differently so you you can't have a uniform method of handling it that being said again you have personal freedom in diving (laughs) thankfully thankfully we we it's one area our fucking oversized government hasn't poked their goddamn big ass nose you know people before you jump into that like oh they would make it safer they would make it more costly they don't care about safety 
which they don't is care where, about that. They care about the f- feeding which their Which is coffers. where us as the community need to take control of it from the seagrass roots. Or we just, you know, understand. <laughs> People have the personal right to go do stupid shit. Yes, they do. That's all it is. And if... If we as a community can become more educated, we would condemn that. We know, you know, that peer pressure solves more issues than making laws. Exactly. We and I think this. this is right where the, the gang over at AquaCore was at the time is currently the peer pressure was allowing people to do 400 foot dives on a single aluminum 80 tank. And how do we change the culture? <laughs> how do we change the culture so that the peer pressure says, no, we don't do stupid shit like that? You know, well, you're people are always going to do it. Yeah, of course. Always not going to get rid of it all, right? So if you come out and everybody kind of condemns it to a certain degree, you can condemn it without condemning the spirit of individual liberties and freedoms. I think Bob Ramo acknowledged the problem. We're clearly not practicing what we preach, and I have mixed feelings about that. He said, "I've always been an adventurous individual, which is why I like diving." And I like to satisfy that thrill, that sense of adventure. And I think for a lot of people, diving deep on air is that sense of adventure, that thrill. Yes, there's a grave risk. But if one is willing to accept that risk, then one should be allowed to do that. But if people want to be figureheads and leaders in this business, they need to be promoting the right thing. The problem is, do we take away someone's individuality? The right to do something stupid, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think Bob said exactly I, I, what I was thinking. Exactly right, and and I think maybe at the end of the day, that's where where the condemnation comes from is the fact that yeah, you're doing something st- silly and stupid. Uh, go for it, but don't do it while you're the representative of a training agency. That on one the other side of your mouth, you said doing even a fraction of that is stupid on air, right? Joe Odom addressed the dilemma in a somewhat different manner. (laughs) You think? (laughs) The fact that some people want to go beyond 1.6 is their personal choice, he said. But I don't think anybody in good conscience will train someone to go beyond 1.6 unless there's a medical evidence to suggest otherwise. Are we creating a climate of do as I say, not as I do? Well, of course. But that's the way it's been since day one. Oh, that's a dogma. That's a bad. I mean, that right there, Joe would would lose the debate based on the statement. Odom, who is also a flight instructor, likens himself to a test pilot. I'm Chuck Yeager, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody thinks they're reckless daredevils, he said. And that's not the case. They have a program of pushing the envelope a little bit each time, analyzing the data and saying, the next time, this is what we'll do. Only until you're comfortable within that range can you, with any degree of intelligence, go forward. I don't know, man. I, I mean, Joe's Joe's coming off with not very much humility, a whole lot of bravado, ego. I can do it. You can't. Bullshit. Um, that usually bites people in the ass. I mean, some people can get away with it, but it usually bites people in the ass. Gilliam believes his experience <laughs> will benefit others. Since I'm using 70% less gas and carrying 70% less gas than you are, you might at least want to learn something from it, Brando. <laughs> 
experience is a word everybody ought to look up in the dictionary. You don't get it simply by sewing patches on your fucking dive jacket. You got to go out there and get wet. We're doing things with half the effort and half the gear that some of the other fellows are doing. And it's not that we're any better divers. I think that it's just that we're a little bit smarter and can apply lessons learned over the years of experience. And again, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I love that you don't get it simply by sewing patches on your fucking dive jacket. I want to put that on a fucking patch and sew it on my fucking dive jacket. But, uh, I mean, he's got a great point. You have to go out there and do it. And I don't think people are condemning him for doing it. I think it's, again... The condemnation comes from being a representative of the educational community in the dive, within the dive community, right? Which is why I'm going to say, you know, it's a tough one, right? Because yeah. I want to say it's because it's 1995, right? And, and, this is why. You know, we but knew you deep air was bad back then. Right, that's what I'm saying, right? But the problem is, Brett goes out and they republished that, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, here's how you dive deep air, like in undercurrent, you know, yeah. back in like the mid-2000s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are going to dive deep air. Yeah, I mean, that's all there is to it. I don't know. They, I, like, I like deep air is the bad thing. I like diving deep on air with a little bit of narcosis. It's very relaxing. It's just like those gin. And, it's like it's like having a gin and tonic, <laughs> a couple of around, DTs, around the maybe. fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not over here condoning 400 feet on a single lady. All I am saying is, you know, 130 feet on air. It, it used to be quite common, and it's not super pushing any envelope. And and I I have a great respect for uh, for both Brett and Joe for um, getting the experience and kind of. They do. I think they do have a point with you can learn narcosis to a certain extent. You can learn to cope with it. Correct. I I agree also. And you probably at some point should experience ha- have have some degree. sort of an experience with it. The problem is where do you draw that line between uh, <laughs> we're going to be breathing in four hundred goddamn feet of water on air with not enough gas to get anybody home? You know. It's there's a there's a line that and I think this I think they is crossed what, it. This is what these guys were saying, you know, putting this article. And they, they close this out by saying that the problem is widespread. And Aquacore fi- finishes this article, the call of the Wawa's by saying that industry politics and competition being what it is cutthroat. Many people would like to single out Gilliam and TDI for abuse. But unfortunately, the problem of responsibility appears to be more widespread. Bob Ramo said, I've seen IANTD do bonehead things too. Tom Mount lists me as a rebreather instructor, and that was before I became a rebreather instructor trainer with Rob Palmer. What the fuck did I know about rebreathers? You know what my experience was on rebreathers when he listed me? Zero. The only thing I knew about rebreathers was that I read in uh, Aquacord Journal. For Christ's sakes, I wonder how many Nitrox instructors are out there that don't know anything about Nitrox. And I know they're out there. <laughs> you got that fucking right. <laughs> right? And, I mean, and I would Look say how that, many dry suit instructors who want to bring up that case that just... Oh, boy. Well, there you go. Don't open I mean, that can so, of worms, right? <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a whole other can of worms. But yeah. just because you know how to plug in your 
a fraction of oxygen into your computer and select that you don't want it to go over 1.4 yeah. without beeping, right, does not, in my opinion, say that you are intelligent enough about nitrox that you should be teaching it to anybody. Right, but and everybody I think that's who he's saying an instructor, here you can teach nitrox or you can teach dry suit. All you have to do is send in for, you know, your are right. to do so. Right. Um, and I think that's what, he, what they're saying here, and, I, and I'm going to go, well, we are 30 years later, and I think the problem is still in many cases, just as widespread, if not yeah. even more. I, I think it's at the root of why our fucking insurance for instructors jacked up almost 100% in one year. It's, in, it's stupid right now. And I keep going, how? It's, it's because of stupidity in the instructional range. It's because right. of practice. You know, and what I, I, how am I going to relate it to this? It's because of reckless diving practice and people going in and not really knowing what they're doing. Exactly. And uh, I, mean, I mean, I look at it like, hey, these are all interesting things to, to learn from. And, and we have the luck today of being able to go back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, look at the history of, of what has happened, where things go. And we should, at this point, be intelligent enough to not make any mistakes i'm not saying that but not remake the same mistakes that we know that we shouldn't be making anymore yeah we're going to make new mistakes because diving is still in in the at the end of the day we're, we're still pretty young of a yeah. of a practice you know so we're yeah we're going to make mistakes but why would we still keep making the same ones because we haven't learned them well enough that's why what, what, what was that? I had a <laughs> this wow wow in my ears. Wow 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 wow. Hey everybody, that is the call of the wow wow, and um, woo, it was interesting times um, with old uh, Brett Gilliam, uh, deep air diving guy, president of uh, uh, TDI, and um, he was a hell of a dude. Cool guy, uh, did some crazy ass diving, no doubt about it. Uh, but he he did have the uh, you know the experience and the the, the logbook to, to back up what he was doing. Um, but he definitely lived a life of do as I say, not as I do. You know, fun fun, fun stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like uh, anybody you you kind of look up to, or you can't love every single part of him. He's a human being. He's going to have a, a little black and white, a little gray. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, I, I, don't, I try not to look up to anybody really as far as idolize him. But you can look at the way he approached life and uh, admire him for that. Oh, most definitely. I mean, if there's anything to admire him for, yeah, yeah. that's it. I mean, he lived a super awesome, kick-ass, very adventurous, robust scuba life. And and there's several folks in the diving community that do that, and that's why I yeah. kind of love the diving community and people in it. So yeah, there you go. All right, everybody. Well, hey, do you have a Wawa story? Did you hear the Wawa? Sent- <laughs> if you haven't heard it, you, it's probably for the best. Don't. But if you've got if you've got a good story, send them on over to uh, Wawa Divers at uh, <laughs> Great Dive. <laughs> Uh, send us a little message, and uh, everybody, we will talk to you 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Next week. And this is Brandon Schwartz saying, Dive Safe from the Great Dive Podcast. I'm trying a more serious approach. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Blah, 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 blah.